You guys been feeling the spring energy, how it's harder to calm down? You guys feel the energy? So in Chinese medicine, the Chinese were very in tune with how seasonal energies affect meditation. And it's amazing, starting like two, three weeks ago, it's actually harder to quiet the mind. So that whole breathing that we talked about last time, for those of you who were here last time, breathing through the left nostril a little bit before you sit, helps calm the energy down. But it's kinesthetically very similar to what happens outside with the sap of trees rising. Same thing is going on with our bodies. So I want to start with a sit and then we'll go through questions you might have. Remember the meditation, it's about the art of paying attention to attention. Right? So we're learning to pay attention to attention. And the salvation that we're all looking for comes through the moment. It's not through these mimicking and monking of all these philosophical, whether you're the Buddhism or Indian or Chinese, there's a lot of cartoonish mimicking going on. You know, we're not really having our own experience. So have your own experience. Because when death comes knocking on your door, it's going to be a real bummer if you've been running after somebody else's truth without direct experience. And as a clinician for 30 years, I can tell you most people are doing the cartoonish thing. Not as a judgment, just my experience. So have the courage, follow whatever you're following, but you need to really do the cooking yourself. It's not about following what other people teach you. Because their truth might not be your truth. Your constitution might not be able to do those practices. Right? A lot of these practices we talked about last time come from cultures that are nothing like ours. So as a woman, you need to question a lot of these practices that was done by men in cultures that women were not allowed to practice. What does that mean to you as a woman? So, question. I don't have the truth for you, but what I can show you is, in my experience of treating thousands of people, we're not present. So one thing I want to talk to you later about is being in the body. The body is your friend. Nobody trusts it. We all hate it. Regardless of what we do, we have the amazing body practices. I see everyone's posture here, incredible. Internally, we're actually enemies at fight with our bodies. So all these things that we do now, these dietary practices, these very austere practices, they can be very profound. They can break your hypnosis, but they can also break you. So as we start sitting tonight, let's just start with a little bit of love internally, not in this new age. Like really a little bit of compassion for this body. Let's sit with the mystery. The reason we're so heady is because we cannot tolerate the thing that we're preaching that we want to find. It scares the bejesus out of the ego. The ego was designed evolutionary for fight or flight, to protect you. You cannot truly, honestly believe that an assassin is going to lead you to love. Not going to happen. It's only when it softens that love is allowed in, which is your true nature. So watch the game, it's very tricky. These are words, examine yourself, check yourself. So let's start with a couple of deep breaths. Really make some sound, don't be shy. And drop it down to the belly. Beautiful. We're going to start by gently lifting the back of our skull. 
relaxing the chin make sure your chin's not too far forward that makes you more cerebral lifting with the back okay if your eyes are open or closed and we're going to start with a 10 minute sit Keeping the awareness on the breath. Feeling the spine straight. Keeping your tongue on top of the palate, behind the top two teeth. Expanding your awareness. To hear the sounds of the breathing around you. Hearing the traffic. Subway. Paying attention to whether you're leaning a little bit back or a little bit forward. Play around with that. Be here now. And with your permission, I'm just going to come around and gently adjust your postures. They all look pretty good.
Keep your connection as you open your eyes. I apologize, I didn't ask your permission before adjusting your posture. So. so the two common things that happen with the posture, people either do this, protecting the heart center, which is very common for most of us. We do this Marine Corps thing where we push the chest out, that's sort of overcompensating for our fear. And the last one is this. This is really, I'm exaggerating, but this is pretty much the most common thing that even people with really great spinal posture do, which is a thinking posture. This is the last hold of the ego when you're trying to sit, because we don't want, and it's so unconscious for us. So it's this thing. You literally, exactly, lifting from the back, and then you let everything hang from that. So everything hangs from that. Right? So a lot of times we're trying to hold our posture and our back gets tired when you're sitting, if you have that experience. That's from using the muscles to do the job of the skeletal system. So this lifting thing is really huge and also just energetically for the flow of the body. This also really makes us anxious and fatigued because your organ system actually has to hang differently when you're in any of these postures. So as a body work, I can tell you that people have these postures for long periods of time get illnesses. I mean, it makes sense, right? Flow goes a certain way. So be aware of that. If this is your issue where you collapse over the heart center, get something like those yoga rolls and put it from the base of your neck to your spine and actually lay on it because these muscles here in your chest are short, right? And if this thing is your thing, just constantly work on lifting from here. I mean, everybody has pretty good posture here, but that's just an off note. Did you notice when I shifted you any change in what was going on in your body's energy? Did anybody notice anything? No? Waste of time? Anybody notice anything? Huh? You were sleepy? I wasn't Yeah. Yeah, that thing too, we actually, that actually makes us more. It's interesting because this thing makes you more heady, but it's actually more fatiguing. It's less work. So, I want to talk about any questions you might have from last time. But before I say that, I want to tell you a little story. Uh, last week, I was treating this really lovely young man, 40s, boy working on himself. Does Kundalini Yoga and does. Ashtanga and meditates 20 minutes a day and is a martial artist and literally this man was not in his body below his ribcage. It's a guy who's been, he was a professional athlete as in his youth starting at, I mean this guy's a serious athlete, look at him, he's got that kind of like cut body. Literally the ribcage is about as far as I could feel him down. So this is our culture, right? You look at this person, he looks embodied. The perfect physique, man or woman, doesn't matter. Athlete, like a serious athlete, 45, 46, I would say, not in the body. Not many of us are that athletic. It's not people that I treat in 30 years. So this being in the body thing that we keep talking about, that I keep talking about, and you guys are like, shut up, we're not in it. Just because you do yoga doesn't mean you're in your body. Just because we do martial arts doesn't mean we're in our body. So as you're sitting here right now, realize that this is something that started about two to three years of age where we check out, we go up and out. This has profound consequences for looking for truth that we're talking about. Why? Because you're not in the moment. The body anchors us in the moment. 
So this salvation, truth, enlightenment, whatever this thing is that we're looking for, isn't an intellectual concept, that's just phenomena. Somebody was talking last week, last session about how they go from practice to practice, they're doing like nine million different things, have these different experiences. Your body will tell you if that's right for you or not. This thing is hundreds of thousands of years old. This thing, being your brain, is really the way you're using it, not even a couple of hundred years old. So this is not just spiritual, quote-unquote, applications. You meet someone. Is this person right for me to be involved with? Business, love life. Your body will tell you. But since nobody's home, we never feel it. <laughs> right? So it's like basically calling your therapist to do a therapy session, just hanging up the phone, and then at the end picking up, did you say something? <laughs> Literally. You would never do that. Well, some of us maybe would. But you're paying the big bucks. You're wasting your time. Listen to it. There's so much change going on right now, right? I'm sure you're all experiencing this in our lives. And just things are really, really fast. This thing will tell you. In terms of food, like we do all these wild, crazy diets. Your body will tell you. In terms of, should I work with this healer? Should I work with that? Your body will tell you. The problem is, you have to push through anxiety to feel it. That's why nobody's here. But the reason I bring this up in here, because a lot of you do spiritual physical practices, that doesn't mean you're in your body. Right? You can actually have an amazing practice and not be in your body. I know it sounds crazy. Years and years and years ago, when I started my practice, I used to do biofeedback, which is basically using machines, to measure biology, to see if people are meditating or not. I was interested in EEG, the brainwave stuff. It was amazing. Nobody was meditating. Like people Zen and martial arts and yogis, they weren't meditating. They were serious practitioners that were putting the time in. So what I discovered was, if we feel and if we listen, if we feel our bodies and listen, automatically your body goes into that mode, the alpha state that we're looking for in terms of biofeedback. So this technique of being in the body actually works. It's like direct scientific evidence. But we're never here. Make sense? Can you feel your resistance to being in the body? Okay, as long as we're clear about that, because usually people are like, no, I'm in the body all the time. <laughs> so any questions from last time? Yes. Resistance. Yes. Why is it? Why is it? Yeah. What do you think it is? It's this thing that yeah. you say, I want to eat right, I want to do something, or I want to be in my body. Yeah. What is that? It's your unconscious. Always remember that whatever comes out of your mouth, there's an equal and opposite force internally. So we talked about that a little bit last time, right? We get on a killer diet and we clean ourselves up. And next thing we know, three weeks later, we pick up a cigarette or a drink or something that we normally is out of our character. We really commit to a friendship or relationship and really go into it and then all of a sudden this other person creeps in and we start thinking about them. Somebody said something interesting last time they were talking about, well, I don't know what I should think about because if I think about these things, they might come true. That's really discounting that pretty much half the time you're trying to kill yourself. Half the time you're negatively affecting yourself. Right? Don't underestimate the self-hatred. I mean, we're all on that page. Are you aware of this force? Right? So, two things. One is everyone's anxious. Either we mask it really well, or we actually are like, 
but either way I can tell you honestly we are like I don't meet people that are not anxious it just gets masked differently so that's one part of it right so all these really rigid practices they can be very powerful it's not to put it down unless you've done hallucinogens or you want to do that shamanic thing you do need a little bit of arduous practice to break through the ego wall right so and it's amazing in our culture, people will actually will take something as potent as mushrooms or ayahuasca and actually still not get it. Because that's how crazy we are. Right? People go and go like, man, I did three ayahuasca. I'm just like, what? In a weekend. Back in the day, you prepare for this for like months. It'd be like one session, and then you'd be shitting yourself, and it'd be like, let's sort this out for the next three to six months. <laughs> now people are like, we're, that's how numb we become. Three or six, you know, people do three sessions in 72 hours and they're still talking about it. Man, I had, I, I, I had this, I had... There's no I in that experience. That's why you shit yourself. Because this thing that we're talking about dissolves. So that's one way of kind of seeing where you're at. And if you're not psychologically sound, I wouldn't really recommend it. But certainly it's a powerful litmus test to see where you're at. If you're not doing that, Definitely having arduous practice is helpful because it melts the ego wall a little bit. But it can also make the ego wall more firm because of this self-hatred that we're talking about. That makes sense? So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is that, remember this ego, it's necessary. I need the skin. The skin's not here, I got a third degree burn, I got an abscess, I will die. So it's not about getting rid of it. It's about realizing, is that you, quote-unquote, or are you something beyond that. But that thing is not going to give up the fight that easily. Its function is to protect you. I mean, to protect itself, you, whatever that lineage is. So, the words are, I want to wake up. Ain't true. Because that would mean that has to soften. So, a gradual practice is usually the best. That's why radical things don't work too well. Right? We talk, you can have a Kundalini experience be very profound. You reform. A really painful thing is when you have these experiences and you think you're enlightened, that's your ego hijacking that because there's an I that feels enlightened, those two things, oil and water. And that's where people get into these really weird trips. Right? This half of Bellevue is filled with that. I am God. It's a very common thing when you work in those kinds of circles. Because there's an I having the experience of as much as possible of the limitless. The limit, limitless, doesn't work. So, don't be bummed out about it. Take it into consideration. Right? It's 40 degrees out. It'd be really nice if it was 90. It's not. I'm going to need my jacket. I can sit here and be like, oh my God, it's 40 degrees. Where the hell is 80? It's a lot of our practices. Deny that it's 40. A lot of our practices. Like, wow, it's 40, and i got to get somewhere. Prepare for it. So the unconscious is what our culture doesn't really deal with, right? And these are not just like metaphors, these, these are real things. Because then you take it one step to the next level and look what's going on in the world. <clears throat> it's this piece that you're talking about being projected on other people and then you got to kill that outside of yourself. So to integrate it internally is a part of the spiritual practice. Spiritual practice isn't just to get out now. One thing that we talked about or touched about last time for those of you who were, who were here last time be cognizant of what level you're talking about. 
right? So someone like Nisargadatta would use the term absolute for the limitless, right? Language is a barrier, so you have to step out of language. And on top of that, we're doubly fucked in this culture because our culture is so tweaked that it's culture and language, right? So that, this monkey making his monkey sounds, you're not even going to get close to the truth. So pointers is the closest thing we can get, whatever that thing that we're looking for. So you have to step outside of language. You have to step outside of culture. That's the internal piece. Now be aware what level you're talking about. Spirit, quote-unquote, which is a lame word, but close we get. You're a psychological being at the same time. Right? You can read the Vedas, you can read all these amazing things. The beings that were practicing these things thousands of years ago, even hundreds of years ago, were not hardwired into an iPhone. The sense of the ego was not freaking size of Rikers Island. It's like huge. We're not those same beings. Right? You're talking about a culture that needed to individuate. We're a culture that's dying because it's hyper-individuated. Does that make sense? So it's not like psychology. It's not like, oh, isn't this interesting? This is what we're living in, but since we're in it, it's difficult to see. Because we're so steeped in it. So the meditation softens that a little bit. So be conscious. There's a whole psychological work that we need to do. Because if you kind of tap into that without doing the psychological work, that's a mess. Right? Now, now the recent thing is what? The hot yoga guy, Vikram? It's like, right? It's like, it's like it would be comedic if it wasn't so fucked up. But it happens all the time. Why? Right? For someone to be that gung-ho to get a program like that off, which is so much of the spiritual practices, there's this huge ego there. Now, I've treated a lot of people. For me personally, Bikram is crazy. I'm a pitta. I'll go murder people after two weeks of that, right? It doesn't make sense. For a lot of people, it doesn't make sense. But it's helped people. I know people that's really, you know, any kind of practice would help people. But this is the problem. What level are we talking about? This is where the psychological stuff's important. This stuff has to be talked about. We're psychological beings as Westerners, as Americans especially. Right? We're even different than Europeans. It's a beautiful thing about our cultures. Like we really are open in ways. Freak man, you can live in Switzerland for like 20 years and know someone. You still don't know anything about them. It's a beautiful thing about the American culture. We're very, very open. Because of that, we have to be cognizant of what we let in. And that's why these things have taken such great hold in our culture, because there is an openness here, but also why we get screwed by it. Because we want to just kind of bide young culture, our culture. Make sense? The other thing was somebody was talking about, again, talking about thinking, and they were very afraid of thinking. So I want to write a book called Fuck Positive Thinking. <laughs> right? There is this thing in our culture we think we can actually think positive and push this unconscious stuff away. It doesn't work. Right? Something smells really bad. You put what the French did back in the day. Let's make some perfume because this castle smells like shit. Ah, rose water. It doesn't work too well. That's the other thing that we're just dying inside out. So this idea that we're all steeped in as a part of the spiritual practices that we can actually have positive thoughts and make these things go away. You have to face it. And once you face it and see your ugliness in everything that you hate, actually makes life a lot easier. Yes? Yes. So this higher than thou, mightier than thou, 
So one thing, this is a life experience I want to share with you, and I'm going to take some questions. You know, I've done a lot of things. I have a lot of interests. I always find it so fascinating, whether what I was racing or martial arts, yoga. People of the same community hang with the same community. It's mind-blowing. I didn't meet many yogis racing. Didn't meet many yogis fighting doing martial arts. Didn't meet a lot of martial artists fighting doing yoga. Neither one racing. It's like, put yourself in a situation that's not comfortable to you. It doesn't have to be something so radical. You're a real liberal? Go hang out with some Republicans. What is this thing that you're projecting on people? You're really having an issue about something? Go hang out with that group. We're way too comfortable. And this is where brainwashing happens. We like the comfort of our own type, but that's dangerous because the hypnosis gets very deep. So we can look at Bikram and be like, oh, these people, poor people. How does that happen? Because we don't step out. Because the second we step out, we can see the disease of that. Right? Sort of like marrying your cousin. It can go either way. Usually not good. <laughs> but that's what we're doing, right? We're marrying our cousins all the time because it's our own type, our own type. So that's just a side note. Questions about last time? Actually, or any questions? What are some ways that you use to face your ugliness? Like what you were saying about FaceTime. Mm. Um, Talk to your ex. Ways. You had a lover? Talk to your ex. <laughs> Exes are amazing for telling you what your ugliness is. <laughs> Anytime you feel you're really enlightened, you need to go talk to your parents. And I love my parents. Thing, thing, I want to touch all of your bodies. And I've worked on thousands and thousands. No two people have the same energy. That's an amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's just like the fing fingerprint thing. Find out what your strengths are. Find out what your weaknesses are. So the idealized self-image is a huge thing. But till you, life pummels you and you're a little bit older, it seems to be a function of age because then you really have to face your failures. The first devastating relationship, you're like, yeah, oh man, that guy, that girl, she's fucking an asshole. Second one, but the third one, you're like, Jesus, some same things are coming out of my mouth, the same things are happening. Whoa, maybe I gotta look at a mirror now. Probably won't, but you might have that thought. <laughs> the other way is actually find out, this is where the shadow thing is, find out the type of people that really trigger you. You know, like people, it's very interesting for me, and I live upstate half the time. And they're not a lot of, like, I'll go to some of these places where I hang out with. They're not the most liberal people. They're nice people. They love their families. They're good people. They think Obama is 666, end of the world. Crazy, right? But then I come and hang out in the city and have the same attitude from people that I would consider back before I moved upstate New York to be really enlightened, to be like, wow, it's the same person. Just different stuff coming out of their mouth. So we can all be like, oh, I'm a Democrat, I'm a liberal. What is your trigger? Right? So this projection thing is really huge. And the problem with this whole thing is because we hang around the same types of people. I guarantee if we go around here, most of us will have the same political ideology, eat the same kind of foods maybe. Right? Like there's some level of like we actually are a community, which is beautiful. You also have to step outside of it. So find out what your story is. Everybody has a story. If you wanted to break it down, everybody has a story about themselves. I am this, you know? More than one. <laughs> well, m much more than one. I'm, I'm being very kind. But you don't 
meet someone right away unless you're super neurotic and go like, yeah, well, I've had two divorces and I used to be, you know, it's like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm actually a healer and yes, I've done this. You don't usually go like, yeah, well, sexual abuse and oh, I got this shit kicked out. You don't do that. But with enough practice, the hypnosis gets so strong. Now, there's a flip side of that. There's also this golden shadow that gets suppressed. It's not just a dark shadow. And we're always like, I'm a piece of shit. I'm just really this. That's the same thing. It's a way of hiding because no one's one thing or the other. But that's a great question. So this ties into the spirituality thing. I don't see enough psychology in spirituality. But I don't see a lot of spirituality in psychology. You need both. So those of your therapists here know what I'm talking about. We need both. But then, is it real psychology? Is it really something you work on a deep level? Those of you who have done therapy here for a long time, no, you can be in for years and years without, before touching anything. You can be in it 10 years, 15 years, and it's powerful. I'm a big fan of therapy, as I've told you a thousand times, but you can actually hide underneath that, because that's what I do, that's what people do. I did it for years. Go ahead and tell a story about the story. We're great storytellers. So this is where suffering comes in. We don't want to suffer, but those of you who have suffered, it actually helps. Because suffering actually breaks down the ego wall, softens it. Questions? Um, you know we have this anxiety and resistance. Um, at the same time, we're trying to be in our body to know what's right. How do we discern between the, the external anxiety and what our body is Great question. You have to start making friends with the body first. You have to start making friends with the body. So the regular practice, that's the gift of the regular practice, of sitting every day. And the days you don't want to sit the most is actually the days you have to sit the most with it. That to me is the most fruitful. Like that was pretty delicious, right? We sat in a group, you all felt that, like this group energy is so lovely and this space is sacred, and we all kind of dropped in. There are not going to be days like that. Many days are not like that. And with spring right now, the energy is so up, it's actually hard. It's part of it's like, is it me? Is it spring? Am I anxious? You have to have enough experience in it. So whatever you do for a living, it's something that after years of doing it or months of doing it, you have a different relationship to it. So right, something that the first one month you would not pick up, now you look at it a thousand miles away and see that problem. Why? Repetition. So it's not a moral thing, it's just a more of get to know yourself. Don't be a stranger to yourself. Most people that I observe die, who die ugly, are strangers to themselves. So that practice that I, because being an uplifting guy, that I tell you, hey, practice dying that nobody wants to do, that's why we don't want to do it. Lay down, feel what it's like to die, the best as you can, without telling a story. Actually, emotionally, like, wow, I'm not going to see my best friend, I'm not going to see my lover, I'm not going to see my dog. That will be a good guide to where that anxiety is. And start feeling it in your body. It's very kinesthetic. Right? Check the posture. Like for all of us in here, this was what was going on. The neck was forward, the chin was up. Pretty much everyone. Maybe one or two people, a little bit, pretty good. What is that? That's hypervigilance. That's exactly to your point. That's the part that does not want to drop into this. It's too scary. It takes a while to do that. So this is the guard. Right? It's not just that you got a gun in a gun safe. The gun is locked, bullet in the chamber, safety off, on the table, your hand on it, hand on a trigger. I'm not scared. Oh yeah, we are. 
It's like safety, clip out. Does that answer your question? Well, I mean, do you want to ask a more specific thing so I can answer you? I don't know how to answer it. I mean, I think it's, yeah, I mean, I think I try to focus on anxiety throughout different points. I think it's, you know, it's really focusing, I guess, on anxiety and seeing where it's coming Well, let's just drop in a second. Let's just sit and see where we feel anxiety in our body. Let's just, not in anything deep, just a minute. I want you to just go in and just feel it. And then we'll just go around the room and say where we feel it. Close your eyes, drop your breathing down. So just scan your body, starting from your head. There might be a little bit of anger or grief attached to it, so also pinpoint that. It doesn't take much for, I mean, for me, I'm, but I'm sure it's the same for all of you. That's pretty good. So, I feel it in my chest and I feel a bit of grief in my throat. What do you feel? I feel grief and it's in this. Right side. Feel the anxiety there? Great. Great. Pay attention to that. Mm. Up here. It's interesting. So that's the part that we're trying to push back, right? That's a hypervigilant mind. So very important, you're pointing to your forehead. Very important to drop that energy into your lower abdomen because it also makes your head heavy. I'll show you an exercise. In the back there, what are you feeling? Huh? Great. You? Head. Great. That's beautiful. You guys are aware. Head. Chest. Chest. Oh. Is there anxiety there? So. Do you feel anxiety there or you just feel you're, you're down in your body there? It's tight. It's tight. So, my question is kind of follow up this question. It's like when you try to listen, like you said, you're trying to listen to the body. The body is saying it's really tight. And I'm saying, well, no, it's not tight. So so breath and attention lead to integration. You can't get rid of it. You have to feel it. And by feeling it, there's three things we do with emotions. Repress them, what you're talking about. Act them out, a lot of people in our culture. And feel them. Not many people feel emotions until it erupts. So your attention goes there. You realize pushing it away doesn't work. You've been, we've all been trying to push this for decades. So you feel it. You actually breathe into it. You observe your mind not wanting to go into it. See what reveals itself. Right? So we're like up here and up. The reason you guys feel this stuff up here is because we're trying to go out. We're always going out. And the energy flows where the awareness is. So because our awareness is always here, meaning in the head, there's no energy flowing. That's literal. That's not philosophy. So be, be in it. Be with it. 
To be with it means you have to be with it for days, weeks, months. But the, what you said very honestly and beautifully is we do try to cut it out. It doesn't work. Because then you project that on someone else. Right? So, just as a culture, look what we're doing in the world. All the wars. This is like real stuff. We cut aspects of ourselves, we project it on people, and we bomb the shit out of them. And it's literal, alright? I mean, it's like it's literal. Where'd you feel it? Right. Keep, remember these things, where these things are, because this is your friend. Grief in my chest and throat and tension in my temple. So when you sit now, pay attention to this bit and see what happens in terms of both this and these guys, because that will help sink the energy. Something was had its jaws in the back of my neck. Mm-hmm. So again, that lifting from here when you're sitting and just breathe into it again breath is your friend here in terms of feeling this thing and releasing it back into yourself Mm. so the hip thing is huge and sort of in body work the hip stuff for both of you that's actually all of us it connects to this up here the hip is actually the shoulder this stuff is this stuff all this tight jaw stuff is and I really don't meet many people who are loose in here Right? I mean, you can be hyper-flexible and still be tight in here. Now, interesting thing about what you are all feeling, which I think we all feel, one of the ways that we control feeling of unsafety when we're very little is by pinching our butt. So our anal sphincter doesn't really form until a couple years of age. So when people say someone's anal, we actually start pinching our butt cheeks at a young age to control our feces. When you're little, you can't control much. Right? What goes in and out? Not eating, not shitting. So when we say someone's anal or someone's a control freak, because there was so much terror in their childhood that they had to be on top of everything. That's just terror. And that's for all of us to some extent. So a lot of this hipness, hip tightness stuff starts at a very young age. We kind of pinch stuff to kind of protect ourselves. So that's why we don't let it go. If you become hyper-vigilant in paying attention, you'll notice that you're constantly pinching your, pinching your butt. Everyone does. So you can actually relax it. And that's that childhood thing. So we're kind of like pinching it to protect ourselves. It's like hyper-vigilance, which is why our hips are usually very tight. Anxiety and solar plexus and grief on what side of the chest. Interesting. And these are lung points in acupuncture, which is where we... It's interesting how that stuff works. Um, Everybody aware of how tight their jaws are? Mm-hmm. Like jaws are pretty tight. You guys, can people feel that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like an incredible thing. That's part of the control thing. So, so I felt in my back and my tricep area nervousness and in my hips and in the jaw. I don't know what the triceps are about, but there's something in the back of my arms. Is... Go into it deeper and see what emotion comes up with it. It's never the same thing for everyone, but it's a great thing to pay attention. Because as you become more aware of your body, you notice that you're holding a lot more than you realize. I was waiting for someone to bring that up. Yeah. Thank you. So, here's a big thing with anxiety and breathing, and actually with asthma or anytime you get in that kind of situation. When we get into that kind of situation, what we want to do, the body wants to breathe on top of the fact that it can't breathe. You see this with asthmatics, they actually will pass out. So 
what you do is you grab them, throw them on the ground, and shovel their air out. Then when all that air is out, so focus on exhaling. And I'm going to do a little great exercise after this that some, some really cool Alexander person taught me. We all keep stale air in our body all the time. It's incredible. We don't actually breathe out. So people try to breathe in on top of stale air. No one can breathe in because we never exhale. So we're going to do actually a pretty neat exercise after I go around the room. Here's the thing. If you're forcing it out, you're using muscles. It's not good. So the trick is to actually count, which we'll do in a second. You'll notice it's a very beautiful thing. I wish I could remember the name of the guy I showed this to 20 years ago. Alzheimer's gone. Tell you this in my class where I was having trouble breathing. Breathing in. But I find that I can't get the air in. I can do this long, deep exhale, but I feel like I can get that. In. We're going to actually exercise how that works. I'm just trying to see what that actually So when I came around correcting you, you were doing what everybody else was doing. Like now it's really great. It's like this thing. And this thing takes a lot of energy, right? So this is the body is designed to do this. Remember, when you're on all four, you're not doing this. Right, this thing is really like recent evolutionary thing. All four up to this. So this thing is really doesn't animals really don't do that. Only when they're scared. Butterfly. Why? You're actually sending the control unit ahead to make sure everything is okay and it comes back. The camera. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I think it's really interesting because so many people could say to find anxiety or fear. I don't I don't know what any of that. I can say, I know that I feel like it's hard to let go right here. Start with that. It's not, it's not, there's no right or wrong here. Just sit with it and see. It might be that you're not really storing stuff. Or it might be that for you that's how it manifests. Sometimes these words don't, people can say stuff and it's actually not what's going on. You know? The most common thing when people come to me for healing, how are you doing? Great. <laughs> so great. It's like the immediate like response. So it's like, or they might think they're angry, you put two needles in them and they just start crying. So the emotional thing, I just want you to start feeling your body a little bit here more, not that, yeah, there's no right or wrong here. But see where you're tied. That can actually lead to something, or not. Um, in here, I feel fear here, but when I'm out in the world every day, I feel all anxiety here. So the, the head thing is how we disconnect from this stuff down here. Mm -hmm. Right, we're all hyper-cerebral. Thinking is the first drug that you use, right? We've talked about that a couple of times. The first drug that we use is dissociating by thinking. Back there. Um, I feel anxiety and anger in my, in my chest. We'll do an exercise in a second. Pay attention to these things for, for later on, if you're not. Anxiety and sadness in my chest and heart. I could also feel my hands, like, I was paying attention to my hands, but like, it's not very tight. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's actually, I see that a lot with people, by the way. That's the other thing I see. People really like this kind of stuff, you know, when they're talking and they're like, I'm not anxious, and they're kind of doing this stuff. <laughs> it's amazing, because we're so disconnected. Yeah, you? Uh, I, here and in the back of my scapula. Yeah, like really, like it's tight and 
gets really tense. So that's a very common thing, that armoring from like the base of the neck back here is protection, it's like the shield, it's very common. And the, the left side usually, with the right lower back, is a very common pattern, it's an adrenal thing. So adrenals are so hypervigilant that those areas get tight. So if you ever get like that kind of naughtiness up here, it's usually an adrenal thing, fight or flight. Uh, <coughs> anger in my heart, and then I work through that to tension and anxiety in my stomach and try and let that happen. Right. So this stomach thing is also huge. This is a very common holding area. It's a cool thing to do. So actually for most people, abdominal rectus, there's your belly button on either side. Usually it's very, very tight. And actually getting in there and holding it does amazing stuff. And that's usually an adrenal thing. So let's just shove our lower jaw down, out, I'm sorry, for a couple of seconds. Just feel that. It's a great exercise. Feel that anger come right up? Fuck, man. <laughs> you ever see monkeys? This is Dan. This is your animal. So whenever you think you smell good, just do this for a little bit. And like your jaw, not your neck. Keep your neck relaxed. Your jaw comes up. Can you feel the energy? Physiology dictates emotional body. And feel how it releases it, right? Everyone feel that? Feel that anger? This is a great way to release the hips, by the way. So, don't hurt yourself, but feel that. <laughs> now, relax your jaw. The way to release the diaphragm, instead of forcing it, is to actually count. And what counting does is it allows the tongue's movement going up and down to release the air, expel the air without forcing it. So take a deep breath. The trick is you gotta count out loud. Breathe out as far as you can. Relax without forcing it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Till you can. Good. Now, cheaters, a couple of you breathe in in the middle of that. Go as far as you can. When you're gonna stop, stop counting and take another deep breath. Okay, so one more time, deep breath. Breathe out as far as you can, without forcing it, and then start counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Okay, Willful. I love you, you're all trying to kill yourself now. You can just exhale as far as comfortable. Now, make sure the stomach is relaxed when you're doing the counting out. And it's relaxed when you do the exhaling as far as you can exhale. Make sense? When, you, when you're meditating, when you when you're breathing out from your mouth and counting, and, and just going back and forth in your nose, um, keeping your tongue, the, the, the teeth of your tongue, back and forth. Are you talking about this particular exercise? You're talking to, when you're meditating. You can actually do this, but you don't want to do this as much as just allow things to happen naturally. And we we'll actually will talk about that for a second. That's a different technique, but we'll talk about it. This is just to relax your diaphragm. Right? So, let's do it one more time. You're going to breathe in. Breathe out as relaxed as you can. Count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. As much as you can. How does that feel? Good, right? So relax this thing. So it's a great practice. Now to your question. 
when you're meditating, like we talked about last time, different styles of meditation, I find counting and things like that, if your mind's really not relaxed, that can be helpful, it can actually pull the energy up. So it's more useful for me personally to keep the awareness as far down as you can. So picking a point in your lower abdomen going in and out. And if you want to count, count while kinesthetically feeling your body. Right? So you're actually feeling your wrists on your knees right now. You feel your back. And then you're counting. But the kinesthetic awareness is in the body. It's a very common thing that we pick up practices that are comfortable for our dysfunction. Make sense? So if you're very heady, you're going to love a heady practice. And not to this... You know, I've done a lot of different practices. With the Zen people, it's a very specific quality. People that practice Zen. Right? It's that kind of metal. It's, it's awesome. But if you're just doing that, maybe try something softer. The real practice for people who do kind of mindfulness. Soft sleep. Sometimes a little bit of Zen would be pretty awesome to kind of get that smile a little bit rigid and just a little bit of like outside of comfort zone. We always go after what's comfortable. Unless you're conscious of it. Make sense? So, down is the best medicine. So do whatever style you're doing, but connect it down to the lower part. I have a question about that. And about, like, before you said that all these things that we feel, we don't actually usually feel them. What about the opposite challenge? If you, if you do feel it, and you identify with feeling it, and you feel it too much, and you get stuck in feeling it, and you can't move past it, and then in your, even when you're sitting, you're feeling it, or you're chasing it around different parts of your body, and you can't detach from it. Great question. So... Like what I was saying before, three styles that we deal with emotions. Repression, that's the acting it out. You know, people who just constantly cry or constantly are triggered or constantly are angry, then you're stuck in that loop. So then, deep body work can be a powerful way to release that. Acupuncture, psychotherapy, but psychotherapy has to be body oriented, otherwise it gets triggered. So that's also a way of not feeling, by overfeeling. Comes, it comes in all ways. I wish it was simple, but like that. It's, it comes in all ways. I mean, I treat people, not all the time, but I do treat people who have these feeling outbursts all the time who are actually not feeling because they're not kinesthetically connected. We all have friends, right? They get angry really easily or cry really easily. But then you're like, well, where does this end? Like, what's going on here? It seems to be no end. It's a well. But it's actually not a well. It's this sort of reflex that keeps, it's like a groove on a record. Sometimes there's a real underlying trauma that has to be addressed. Right? There's serious abuse, there's something that happened, that has to be addressed. Sometimes it becomes a shtick, unconsciously, not a judgment on it, but it's a shtick. It's a, I'm not saying that's what's going on with you, so try different practices. But definitely there's a way that one can get stuck, no doubt. I find things like rolfing are really helpful sometimes for things like that. You're familiar with rolfing, so rolfing, Ida Rolf, German woman, came up with this technique. Sessions, very deep body work, it really can release a lot of stuff by aligning the body. Some yogis don't believe in deep body work, they believe yoga should do it. I'm, not, I'm sort of in disagreement with that, I find it helpful, but. What is body oriented psychotherapy? So, great question. Body oriented psychotherapy. So, um, sometimes it's called neo Reichian therapy. When Willem Reich, before he died in an Air Force prison, Touch that one. Um, he was a pretty awesome guy. This guy was giving out condoms turn of the century, not this century, last century. Like a very enlightened guy in some ways and very tweaked in a lot of ways. 
But he was one of the people that brought up the idea of character armor. And he talked about how our physiology actually affects our psychology. Then out of that, in America particularly, there were Alexander Lowen and this guy Paracas. So, um, what's it called? Core Energetics, thank you. Um, Core Energetics is like one of these modern versions of it. So basically it's not just talk therapy, it's talk therapy with body work. And it can bring up a lot of stuff. It can really bring up a lot of stuff. Now, if you're not into that, you can do deep body work in the therapy. For those of you who've done psychotherapy and you do yoga, you can find your therapy really stuff comes up. Why? This tissue holds memory. It's no different than a CD-ROM, it's no different than... It holds memory, and that's something that we're not very cognizant of. Why? Because we're so heavy. We think if we're just up here, there's a whole show going on down here, it doesn't matter. So it's like, you're a billionaire, and you live on top of your penthouse, and you think like that's the whole world. You're not even a point percent of the shit show that's going underneath you. It's the rest of it. That's what that is. So body-oriented therapy actually allows you to discharge these feelings. Now, to her point, you can actually also get lost there. Keep doing it, keep emoting. Like, people actually get into this trip. It's just to get an idea of sense of these things so you can function. We have a very limited amount of time here. I mean, most of us are very lucky. We have 70, 80 good years. Some of us get taken out halfway through that. Some of us even less. So that stuff has to be taken into account. So don't get lost in process either. But for someone like me, it's been a very powerful experience of having this very specific experience at a young age, spiritual, and having this very damaged psychology that had to be addressed. And that's my whole talk over and over, is like these two things have to be one. My point again, we come to spirituality because of pain. Very few people come and do all the stuff that we do because they're like happy. And they're just happy. We come to it because we're hurting. That emotional pain has to be honored. Make sense? Everyone kind of with me on that? So sometimes you don't need it. Some people are really are fine. Sometimes therapy is just interesting. You want to see how your mind works. Sometimes, for a lot of people, it's a way of disconnecting. Because it's, again, remember the ego is tricky. But if there's stuff, if you ever feel stuck, that means there's something going on with the body mind that needs to be addressed. Like boundaries, you know, like you're being in your, your, you know, your time to be in your body, and then to me that gets kind of like uh, close, like closely associated with like being vulnerable and being present, and you know, getting right quickly, you know, getting triggered, and then you know, walking around closed down or angry or guilty or you know, like you're being compassionate. So, another great point. So, when we do the shtick of being compassionate, which is all this new agey stuff, it's bullshit. All that stuff that you're talking about actually happens when we're trying to do this stuff. If you realize you're oneness with everyone, you can't help but be compassionate, first of all. Like, I like this. It feels good. It doesn't feel too good. If I start realizing that this is everything around me, in a way of not losing myself, I'm a lot more compassionate. The problem in our culture is we're trying to do it outside in. Outside in doesn't work. First one. Clear on that? 
So we like read these books. Oh, in the Vedas it says everyone's one, let's be nice to each other. You can do that for about a day or two before you start massacring people. This is like a limited energy force. You can only do so much. The second thing is you're the most safe when you're in your body. Yes, you become more vulnerable. But if you're doing spiritual practice, you're going to become more vulnerable. The whole point of spiritual practice is to become more vulnerable. Not to become more of a hard ass. Hard ass is what we do coming out of the womb because of the infliction of pain from unconscious parents, which is part of shtick. So, then be conscious. I'm not trying to sell you anything. But don't go act like you're taking a shower and stand outside of it and never turn it on and just rub soap on yourself and say, I'm taking a shower. Because you just start smelling still really weird and funky. That's what most of us are doing. Thirdly, if you're ever in an unsafe environment, and I don't just mean that emotionally, I also mean physically, being in your body amplifies your energetic field. It actually protects you. So you're on some crazy person, the first thing you want to do, which is what you learned as a kid, is to leave your body. Whoa, way dangerous. That's how all this crazy shit happens in the spiritual community. It's almost in their body. Someone touches you inappropriately. If you're in your body, you're like, ugh. You're not in your body. Well, I don't know how he was touching me. Maybe it was the guru's doing bringing kundalini up. The one's in the body. So to your point, yes, spirituality is about being vulnerable, about knowing when to be vulnerable. If I'm in Bellevue and people are crazy, which is like what happened in New York City, I don't want to be vulnerable, but certainly I want to be present. When you're present, you're way protected because all your psychic energy is flowing. Everybody in this room can think about one painful thing that happened to them. A person that betrayed you, you got mugged, some violent thing happened, some very painful thing. Your body, if you go back new the second you met this person. Everyone. I can, I've done this for 30 years, I can tell you. Why? We're not present. That's why we don't listen. Someone says, ah, i got a great deal for you on this thing. And then you buy it and it's a lemon. The second you hear it, you're like, oh. are we on the same page here? You know what I'm talking about, right? It's a bodily felt sense. You ever have a feeling you're going to see someone and you see them? Or get a phone call from them? It's a feeling, right? It's not, a, it's not you don't, you think about it, but it's like a feeling. We're so disconnected from feeling, we actually disconnect from that. So, big part of when the planet is going through the changes that it's going right now, the gift of meditation, all these practices, for us to connect with this thing that's beyond us, and then share that with our sisters and brothers. Especially when the dogs of fascism is barking up your ass with what's happening. Because this culture is about fear. Look at Boston, look at all this stuff. It's horrible. It's, of course it's horrible, but it's like scaring the shit out of everyone all the time. What does that do? Make you more lonely, make you more frightened, make you... You gotta expand at these times. How do you expand? By actually being in yourself. Cut through that division. We're all one. We're all playing for the same team here. Right? We don't even know who Chechens are, so we can't really judge them too quickly. That don't happen. It's like with Iranians, it's like with Iranians, you know what I mean? Like, fucking whatever, you know? But that's, we're in that every day. We have to be in the moment. This is a profound time. Right? The Lakotas that had the misfortune. 30 years ago, we were talking about this time. The shamans, the Peruvian shamans. So what the fuck are you talking about? Oh man, this time. Right? We all, we, we're all seeing this. Am I correct? You're all seeing all the massive changes going on in your life and around you. and It's an amazing time. How do you want to write this story? We're all writing this whole thing. 
So that part, yeah, it's uncomfortable being the body. It's the only thing. This thing will tell you what the next level needs to be. And we're trying to do what we've always been doing. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked out too well for the planet. Should we turn on the set? Feel the pelvic floor on the ground. And without forcing it, a lot of breath to go all the way down. diaphragm is tight. A couple of those out breaths just gently count like we did silently. Just move your tongue and allow the diaphragm to relax. against 
firm ground. Elongate your spine a little bit more. See if you need to go forward a little bit, back a little bit. Everybody drop that? That everyone's posture was like. Can everyone feel that? This draw thing is really huge. Keeping this down is really huge. Just feel the energy. Ready to go home?
believe this, right? <laughs> Beauty of community. Beauty of community. Any last questions, quick? Anyone got to go, go? This might not be a quick thing to answer, but... <laughs> well, anyone's got to go, I know. It's, it's 11.30 now. Go ahead. Um, in my life, I'm starting to notice when I get triggered. Yeah. Um, what next? <laughs> Tell me more. What do you mean? Well, I mean, not, not to get into it, but... It's easy to revert back to bad habits or addictions, for lack of a better word, when that happens. So, it's a lifelong process. Right. It's really, it's not an event. Yeah. That's what we want. Yeah. Anyone tells you otherwise, you know, you meet. I've met Zen masters who smoke two packs of cigarettes, and these cats are like heavy. They're not cooked. So this is a vasana thing, right? We talked about vasanas. The Indians have this wonderful, wonderful idea of vasanas, which are body-mind tendencies that get passed on from incarnation to incarnation. Not to get too hung up on this past life thing or whatever. As a clinician, I can tell you, you know, I've been at the birth of a lot of babies. I felt their energy in their mother's womb. They come out exactly what I felt at that age. I know them now they're in their 20s. Wow. Same line. Six train all the way up to the Bronx. <laughs> pretty hard to get it off track because sometimes you're like I'm on a six train up in the Bronx maybe I shouldn't carry like this with me or maybe I should carry this it's a long run and take some water sometimes you just adjust to what's going on sometimes you can actually get off the train and change trains Boston has these body mind tendencies and don't forget we're very comfortable with them so when you fight against something it makes it harder this rigidity that we do, that actually makes it harder. So it's got to be a bit of a dance with it. But I actually get scared when people don't have those experiences. Because I know they're control freaks. They're actually hiding it. So unless this dance happens, you quit, you come back, you quit, you come back. We've all had an addiction that we've struggled with. And sometimes our just relationship changes. We still have it. Sometimes we're just like, this is stupid, but we still do it. But the charge drops over time. Don't look for an event. Look for the process. Make sense? A lot of shit's coming up right now for everyone, by the way. This is like really profound time. I can tell you someone's been practicing this city for 30 years, man. It's wild. That's what I was talking about last time. We're like, everything is being revealed where we're not aligned. You can't really hide. People lose a job in a relationship and their health goes south like in 10 days. It's like that time, but it's not punishment. It's just a matter of, okay, so what's, what do you need? What feeds you? A lot of times, really hold on to what's killing us. That's a very common thing. Like, this is poison, it's just burning my head. Like, I gotta hold on to it, I gotta hold on to it. <laughs> you ever see a kid? Today I was in a park and I was watching, and this kid was putting mud in his mouth. Like, you know, and the mother was pulling it out, and the kid was crying, and that's all of us. <laughs> you know, like, the universe wants to give the carrot, but boy, if you're really attached to eating that mud, initially it's this resistance. So be gentle, be compassionate, be firm. Gentle, definitely have the compassion, but that doesn't mean like do whatever. Like, okay, this is something. Now, one last thing: those kinds of behaviors come because we're not feeding ourselves somewhere else. Make sure you're being fed. Make sure you're not around people that are draining you. Make, what is the thing that's triggering that? That's always something. Either you're being rigid with yourself, or some behavior that's not feeding you that you're not aware of. This is where therapy is helpful. Talking to other people is helpful. Yeah, solved everything. <laughs>
All right. One last question. Go ahead. I have been concentrating on my body and myself again. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when we actually try to be in the body, old emotions come up, and the body mind tries to get you out of it. When we're trying in the body, because we're doing everything not to be here, and we're all in agreement on that, but all addictive behavior is not to be in the moment. So a lot of times when we start deep practices, the body mind, the unconscious, throws something in there to get us back out of it. You ever notice when you start having a great practice, yoga, martial arts, something injured yourself? Like after a certain period of time, not because of the practice, but some weird ass things happen. I don't know if you've had this, always in my experience as being a martial artist for 35 years. Once I get to a certain level and I want to go to that next level, something, till that stops. But that can be decades. So pay attention. What happened in the spring 25 years ago, if anything? What is the emotional stuff? What is going on that gets triggered? What is the feelings? Really sit down, there'll be a connection. I sit all the time as a clinician. People have a very specific body, mind, psychological injury at a certain age, at a certain time. And it, therapists and healers will agree, it, it comes up. And when we're in it, we can't see it. This is the crazy thing, right? Something that be so obvious to someone outside. This is not about how smart you are. There's a reason it's called the unconscious. I mean, it's like, whoa, but it's like actually true. You can be so profoundly smart, as a lot of people in this room are, and be dumbass blind. It's just the way it is. The body might have to do that to survive. So what is that thing? But that's a very common thing. It's not a weird thing. Does that make sense? We good? <laughs> good night.